Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 100. As you've probably heard by now, the World Health Organization has designated the year 2020 as the year of the nurse and the midwife. In episode 96, I spoke with Molly McCarthy, who's the chief nursing officer for Microsoft Health. We had a great conversation about some of the key business areas the team at Microsoft are focusing on to drive change in healthcare. I want to continue to highlight the work of leaders who are also nurses, and in this episode, our 100th, I speak with Shauna Butler. If you've ever been to Exponential Medicine or DocSF or South by Southwest, you may have had the chance to meet Shauna, but let me tell you a little bit about her. Shauna Butler is an RN, MBA, nurse economist, and tech enthusiast. She's a leading advocate for the role of nurses in driving the development and use of technology across the healthcare sector. She works with companies of all sizes, from startups to global corporations, and she's coined the term entrepreneurs. Just a little change in the way the word entrepreneurs is spelled gives it an entirely new meaning, and we talk about that a little bit later on the program. Shauna works with the pioneers who are integrating robotics, 3D printing, drones, AI, mixed reality, voice recognition, digital humans, big data, and sensors into our health solutions and lifestyles. Her clinical experience includes emergency, cardiac, and critical care in both large university and small community hospitals, in addition to international medical flight transport and workplace health promotion services. She's lived and worked all around the world, and if you're headed to Austin for South by Southwest, you'll be able to meet her there. Later on in the show, Shauna gives us some tips about how to make the most of that event. Now, one of the newest roles Shauna has on her resume is that of podcaster. That's right. Shauna and her executive producer, Rebecca McEnroy, have worked with the teams at the American Nurses Association and Johnson & Johnson to create the See You Now podcast. You can, of course, pick that up on all of your favorite podcast catchers. And I'm proud to announce that the See You Now podcast can also be found on Health Podcast Network. Just head over to healthpodcastnetwork.com and click on the show cover art there on the homepage. As always, you can get the links to the topics and the people we discuss in the show notes of this episode. You can also visit our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 100, or you can find us on our second home at healthpodcastnetwork.com. No matter where you find us, be sure to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes, news, and events. Okay, thanks for tuning in to this, our 100th episode of Digital Health Today. I look forward to the next 100, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Shauna Butler. Shauna, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. Thanks. I was going to say it's about time. We're long overdue for this. We are indeed. I've been talking about you on a few of the previous podcasts, and I'm really excited to have you on. You're a nurse. You're a nurse economist. You're a tech enthusiast. You're a citizen of the world. You've done so many things. And whenever you and I talk, I just get so much out of the conversation. So I'm excited to share this with all the listeners out there. Let's start off with just a little bit of understanding about your background and your work and experience. Can you take the listeners through a little bit about what you've done in all the countries and all the different roles that you've had around the world? I think of it as a portfolio career. I've never, ever changed roles. I just keep adding them. And so what's fun is starting out in the clinical realm in direct patient care 
in acute care settings, CCUs, ICUs. And the part that really opened up my eyes to the bigger, broader world was time spent doing international medical repatriations. And so what does that look like? Somebody somewhere in the world has had something happen that is not a good thing and they need to get to home or to a place where they can actually get the care that they need. So those are the commonalities, but it really took me around the globe. And when people talk about global health, oftentimes they're talking about it from a macro level, looking at disease burdens, looking at incidents or statistics. My experience with global health is what does pregnancy look like when you're in Tanzania or Tunisia or parts of Texas. And while pregnancy and diabetes metabolically are the same, it's dramatically different based on your culture, your infrastructure, the resources that are available to you, cultural values. And that really got me interested in looking at systems. And I had the encouragement of a very well-known and respected economist who could see that I had this desire to expand my scope of practice and really make a difference on a broader scale. And it was his encouragement that said, Go study the economics of health and illness and disability. Learn the business of care. Learn the what the business models are. And that really hit home. And so I did. I was one of the very earliest clinicians to go get an MBA and really study the market and understand the market forces. And that led me into systems design and taking a look at health systems in general. And at that point, we were thinking about optimizing care. I got involved with a couple of technology projects, part of the very first team to integrate a digital radiology solution. And that was when I caught the technology bug. And I mean, it was love at first bite. I had been spending all this time trying to optimize systems. And it wasn't until I saw the new possibilities that technology created that I thought, this is a stepwise change. When was that, Shauna? About what time frame was that? Yeah, that was back in the early 90s. And so right when when digital technologies were coming on board, and like I said, I had spent a lot of time thinking about how we optimized our current systems. And what I realized is that even if we got everything right, which is unlikely, there was still a whole lot of demand and care that was being left undone. And so what I saw with the use of these digital solutions, I thought, oh, this is a game changer. This is how we can do things in a different way and start to think about deploying our workforce in a really different way. And it's just gotten more exciting as we've seen the convergence of the technology. It's not any one technology. It is thinking about how we're using data and digital and crowds and 3D printing and robots, things that are remotely controlled. And then being able to not only have these solutions work for our healthcare professionals, but how do we give these tools to families and to citizens so that they can measure, monitor surveillance of their own health and help us to understand when things aren't going right a lot sooner so we can catch things upstream when cost and complexity hopefully is a lot lower. You and I are of a similar age and you and I both remember what it was like pre-digital, pre-technology being everywhere. And I don't know what is a better experience, whether yours and my experience where we remember what it was like to have three television shows and what it was like to only be able to have a Walkman AM FM radio uh, before CDs came out. I don't know, seeing that change in the world from that sort of experience and push button phones in people's homes to smartphones in everybody's pocket, 
compared to the digital natives that we have now, I'm sure many of them are listening to this thinking, what is that like? Yeah, what are they talking about? (laughs) Been in that environment. So I don't know what's more exciting to sort of start off with this sort of environment where everything's already so accessible or to have been a part of that change that we're seeing. But I want to talk about one of the roles, one of the hats that you have, and that's this entrepreneur's role in the Netherlands that you carry. So can you tell us a little bit about that title and what an entrepreneur is and what it means to be an entrepreneur in residence? Yeah. So entrepreneur is that nurse who is focused on creating improvement and progress. So what ended up happening is I spend a whole bunch of time in the startup world and would meet these really remarkable problem solvers. And coming to a range of problems, whether it was breast milk management, diabetes care, epilepsy, um, hemophiliacs, and seeing people who would come up with really interesting solutions. And the vast majority of them that I met, they had zero healthcare background. I mean, zero. And I was a little bit taken back. I was like, wow, how is it one can come to this space? And man, that takes a lot of audacity in some regards. But what I came to understand and really appreciate, while they may not have healthcare experience, they had 100% healthcare frustration. And they understood the problem really, really, really well from living it, being the experts in the condition. So they'd come up with a really interesting solution, but it was very focused on a narrow set of experiences and really close mirroring their own. So oftentimes while they may have figured out a portion of the pain point, what they were missing was how does that fit into workflows? And so, yeah, spending a lot of time with entrepreneurs and thinking, oh, how can we get this to more broadly scale across our health systems and recognizing what parts of the workflows and the varieties and ways in which people have diabetes. You know, it's not just a person who has diabetes. You might be pregnant. You might be 80 years old and getting your first diagnosis. You might be eight years old. And so those solutions look really different based on the lives that you have. And as I literally was staring at the word one day, I realized, oh, we're just misspelling it. It's not entrepreneurs. It's actually entrepreneurs. And when you engage the people who are closest to the gaps in care, who really understand how these problems show up in people's lives, where life meets care, you really can develop a better solution that will scale. And in the time that I would spend with a lot of startups and innovation practices, what I notice is that there just aren't any nurses. They're not formally engaged in that innovation agenda or the innovation activity. So I really took it on as a mission, as a call to action. How do we make sure that nurses who who have these unmatched feedback loops. I mean, they're closest to the gaps in care. They're working with the people very closely with the problem. So they're a great test bed for an innovation. They're great to take a look at a new prototype and make sure that as we're developing these technologies and we're identifying problems, the first thing is, have we identified the right problem or the right part of the problem? And when we develop solutions, do we have solutions that actually fit into care into people's lives, into their identities. When we've got something that actually works, now we need to make sure that it gets properly implemented. It might be implemented within one system, but we want it to scale across conditions and across the globe. And nurses are really that distribution platform. There's just a lot of us. We're everywhere. We do a lot of different things. So if we think about that innovation life cycle and how we go from identifying a problem to having an impact that creates a whole new standard of care that includes safety and dignity and all of these places where we want to innovate. 
we really need nurses. I mean, if nothing else, it's just a numbers game. I mean, you just need a lot of people working on these problems and working on them in a whole range of settings because we know what works in the UK may not work in Brazil or may not work in Australia or the US for a variety of reasons. So yeah, so this entrepreneurs, that's really been my, how do I make sure that we get more and more nurses involved at all different stages So one of the things is just making sure that people are aware that these roles exist. I mean, I studied engineering. I had done sales when I was in high school and in college, and I never realized that there was a role for people who understood engineering to work in sales and product development. And in a program a few weeks ago, we had Molly McCarthy, who's a friend of yours. She's a chief nursing officer at Microsoft. And she talked about how she got involved in a role as a product manager. So I think part of it is just being exposed to understand that these roles exist and how skill sets can be applied in these technical roles that require a broad understanding and the ability to communicate and the ability to understand the real pain points and how to articulate those back and quantify those. So what are some of the different roles that you see nurses can get involved with and how should they go about finding these roles? Well, for a lot of it, I think that these are roles that nurses start to create. I don't think you wait around necessarily for permission, first of all. I think if you see a problem, you have an opportunity to create a lot of roles where you see a need. But when you think about product design, there are so many of the different design studios right now which are thinking about human-centered design. So if you look at the earliest stages, we need to identify the problem. There are also groups where they are starting to think about, okay, so we've got a prototype. How do we go and test this? So how do you involve yourself with innovation testing and different technology companies or devices and products? A lot of pharmaceuticals, we're completely redesigning clinical trials and we're using patient reported outcomes. We're using a digital format. So over in research and discovery, And then, you know, when something actually has been approved and it's going to be rolling out into a system, oftentimes we're asking people to do things in new and different ways. So what do the implementation team look like? There's over on the regulatory side, as we're thinking about how are we using data and what is the role of data protection? Nurses are, I mean, we need to leverage our trust dividends. So getting involved in regulatory pathways, policy, oh my goodness, there are so many different things that what what we're able to do in healthcare settings is very much driven by what our policies look like, our institutional policies, our local, our national policies. So what are those ways where you get involved with groups that are thinking about data standards, thinking about care standards that are over in a policy realm? So there are lots of different ways to take clinical understanding and clinical insights and take them to the places where we're helping to re- imagine and redesign what our care systems look like in a very digital world. Now, this year, 2020, has been designated as the World Health Organization's Year of the Nurse and the Midwife. This is something I've talked about already on a few programs. I'm going to talk about it throughout the year, probably into 2021. The significance, obviously, being that the 12th of May, 1820, is Florence Nightingale's birthday. So this is the year of the 200th anniversary of her birth. What do you think is the significance of this year being designated as the year of the nurse and the midwife? What do you think we need to be thinking about and working on in this landmark year besides just sort of it's a nice year of celebration, but is there more to it? 
Oh, way more, way, way, way more. And I actually really like to have less focus on the concept of the celebration. This is a call to action. And so when you take a look at the roots of this, surprisingly enough, it's not driven by the 200th birth anniversary of Florence Nightingale. The origins of why the World Health Organization has created this designation ties back to the Sustainable Development Goals. So 2015, there were 17 Sustainable Development Goals that were established and that nations around the world agreed to. When we started looking at how are we going to achieve these really audacious goals, one of them was looking at universal health coverage. And in order to achieve universal health coverage, you got to have a workforce in place that's going to make that happen. So as policymakers and economists started looking at how do we achieve this goal, the thing that they realized is that it's not about building more facilities. It's not about thinking of new technologies. It is engaging the people who are actually designated, who actually drive health and health promotion. Because most people in this planet the highest level of, of a care provider that they'll ever meet in their life or have take care of them is going to be a nurse. So that focus on how do we make sure that given this looming shortage and current shortage of healthcare professionals and the largest segment of our workforce that is at risk are nurses. And there are a couple of demographics that we can't really beat. We've got an aging population. And as part of that aging population, that's aging nurses as well. We're going to lose a million in the next couple of years of very experienced nurses just because of the age. So it really has been that call to action because health systems across the world are under an enormous amount of strain and stress. And when we see that nurses aren't in the workforce, we see mortality and morbidity go up. We see unsafe situations for care and practice. We see surgeries that are being delayed, units that are closed in different hospital systems, nursing homes that are no longer available, midwifery that's not in the communities where they need to be. So it's much more of a call to action and an awareness of how our systems are so dependent on really strong quality nursing care and well-educated nurses and nurses who are moving into leadership roles so that they can really think about and design health promotion, prevention, and care and treatment across the entire lifespan. There certainly is a series of crises around universal health coverage, and certainly the nursing shortage is one of them. But the call to action is going to extend far beyond this year. What are some of the actions that we need to take in order to address that? Do we need to simply recruit more people into nursing schools, build more nursing schools? Or what are some of the other concrete steps that we could be taking this year and in the years to come that will help to address some of these challenges that we're facing? So the global campaign Nursing Now has really done a great job of outlining what those steps need to be. And the first thing is, yes, there do need to be more nurses. So it is a function of training more. However, a focus that will make a difference a lot faster is focusing on the youngest nurses, the nurses who are newest in the profession, and making sure we invest in their leadership skills so that they are prepared to lead at system levels. So clinical expertise is the foundation. And then moving into how do we manage units and systems and programs and really think about moving nurses into leadership, but particularly at the highest levels of leadership. So when we're thinking about ministers of health 
and nationwide programs that are focused on making sure that babies are born at a healthy weight, making sure that they are meeting breastfeeding targets, reducing childhood obesity, making sure that people aren't smoking, helping people to manage their loneliness. These are really big problems that require programs and systems. And nurses really are very qualified from a clinical standpoint, and then also from an economic standpoint to lead those programs. So that major focus right now is, it's called the Nightingale Challenge. And it's a challenge that's sent out to major employers of nurses, inviting them during this year, 2020, at least 20 nurses and young nurses, make sure that you are investing in their leadership potential. And then also taking a look at the scope of practice, making sure that all of these nurses who are trained, they're trained, they have this skills, they have the license. Do you have policies in place that are making sure that nurses are working to the top of that skill and the top of that license? And that really addresses an access to care. Because we have policies in place that say, well, you might be trained and you might be skilled to prescribe or to treat oncology, but our institution doesn't really allow that. We're just not really all that comfortable. Why? So there's a lot of policies in place that really create artificial barriers around capacity. So that's a really big part. And the other part is raising the profile. Oftentimes when we talk about health and we're looking at condition management, we refer to our physician colleagues as the only experts. And what that does to the public is says, here's the place where you need to go to get your information. And by not including nurses as those experts in condition, we're leaving out a really important resource that people can go to and have confidence and trust to get their information. If they're waiting and saying, I just need to talk to the doctor about this, when they can get as good, sometimes even better and more qualified information on a condition management. And they know, oh, I can go to my nurse, my nurse practitioner, my nurse midwife, any of those are folks. We're creating, I mean, this huge resource of insights that become available to the public and to the media to be able to help educate people on how to manage an outbreak of a serious communicable disease. How do we address immunization rates? Are they helping people to have a lot of confidence in the science behind vaccines? helping people to know how to quit smoking, how to manage their isolation and their loneliness or their sleep habits. There are just so many different ways where nurses can really help improve the quality of life for families and citizens and communities, countries even. You mentioned leadership, and I know that you exhibit leadership in a variety of different roles, and you are often interfacing with nurses who are working to get involved with new technology and take things to a new level. You mentioned before on an earlier conversation you and I had that there were a few questions that you like to ask nurses when they're talking with you about some of the problems that they're dealing with. Can you review those three questions with us that you like to review with nurses and innovators? Yeah. And actually, it's oftentimes not nurses that I'm having the conversations with. It's usually industry or new startups. They know that I've got my hands deeply embedded in the technology world. And they'll come to me, oh, we've just figured out this new computer vision to start addressing wound management. And they're really excited about it. So my first three questions are, so first of all, what problem are you trying to solve? So they go through and they explain that. Okay, what's your solution look like? That's when they tell me you know, what their technology and how it is that it's working. And my third question is, and how are you engaging nurses? And I usually get this look of like, hmm, you know, I hadn't been. I hadn't really thought of that. 
And like, that's a great idea. Duh. Like, why hadn't I? And what I invite them to do is, okay, so take your solution, go give it to a group of nurses and ask them to do two things. First of which, go break it, go find all the ways that this doesn't work and then come back to me. And, you know, when you give it to a group of nurses and they take it out into the wild, you're going to see such a broad range of use cases. And that will give you feedback on your design. The second thing to ask them is tell me what you love. Because if you've removed a friction point, if you've created something that makes it safer, if you've created something that makes it more likely that people can carry it with them, it's more portable, it's easier to read, any number of those things, you need to know what they loved. Because when you go back and you're in the engineering and the design constraints, you're trying to fix those problems where, you know, these were the things that were just not working. But as you're fixing the things that weren't working, make sure that you don't take away the things that really made the work easier or more joyful. I think some of it is that it's not that we in the industry don't want to engage nurses, it's that we haven't set the intention or the expectation that we need to engage them. And I think part of it is having conversations like this in order to sort of make people aware that, hey, this is definitely something that you need to have as part of your core strategy and you need to go through this step in order to be successful. That's exactly right. It would seem obvious. When I bring this up to technology companies, they're like, oh, duh, I totally should have. And then they come back to me, oh my gosh, they gave me the best feedback, the best insights. And so once they do that, then they're hooked. But because we haven't been sharing those stories, it doesn't seem like the first obvious stop to go to. And I'm on a mission to change that. Yes, absolutely. And hopefully people who are listening to this will be part of the movement to make sure that nurses are more included earlier on and throughout the development of products. You and I are very fortunate in that we're able to go to a wide variety of events all around the world. And I'd like for you to give me a little bit of feedback around two things. So people who are listening, number one, what are some of the top events or some of the top criteria that people who are looking to attend events should be thinking about as they're deciding where they should spend their time? And secondly, for the people who are putting together these events and these conferences, what should they be thinking about in terms of engaging nurses to help develop and create the content? I think, first of all, is starting out with what's your intended goal. And if it is from the standpoint of, look, I want to be a part of this innovation agenda and innovation economy. I want to be in the thick of how, what are the problems? What needs to be solved? The first thing I think is a really important part is to look through the lens of, is something cross-disciplinary? We have a tendency to stick in our silos. So if you're over in the oncology world or maternal health or environment, you know, any number of those things, we tend to go to our specialty conferences and make incremental progress on, okay, so what's the newest CAR T cell treatment or immunotherapy? And those are really important. I'm not trying to discount those, but they also are very incremental. So if you're thinking about what are the really different ways, the newer ways that we're able to solve healthcare problems, because we got a whole new different set of tools. I really think it's valuable to take a look at those conferences that are focused on sharing what are the different technologies, who are the people out there that are solving them, how are they solving them. And so obviously exponential medicine is at the top of my list. I work with Daniel Kraft, who I know you've had a great interview with him, but we really think about what are those technologies and who are the people that are using them, experimenting with them to think about how we can reimagine and redesign creating help. I mean, there's the health care, but we really have the goal of creating help. 
And by doing that, we're bringing in people who are using new tools or using existing tools in different ways and thinking about how they're solving different problems. So I really like to think about how do you go cross sector? How do we move across the disciplines and how are we bringing new and novel problem solvers and innovators into our orbit and making sure that we're working with them. So I'm a big fan, like I said, obviously of exponential medicine, huge fan of South by Southwest. And one of the things that I love about South by Southwest is that when we think about all of the healthcare conferences that we go to, we're still over in the biomedical model. We're bringing more technology in. But one of the really interesting things about South by Southwest is we're bringing in storytellers, filmmakers, musicians. And when we think about behavior change and the emotional language of healthcare and getting people to understand why this is important, what does it mean to them? What does it mean to society or to their communities? It's our filmmakers and our musicians who really help us to understand those stories. They bring in people from the retail sector. They're bringing in people from all levels of government who are creating policies and regulatory frameworks. And they want to learn from what the technologies are. So it's a really interesting gathering of people who have different elements in the problem-solving ecosystem. So I really think it's important to be in those places where we might be thinking about the same problem, but we're thinking about it in really different ways. How about for people who are creating events and conferences, what should they be thinking about in terms of how they engage nurses in the creation and the delivery of their content? Well, a couple of things. As you're thinking about conference programming, our tendency is we have a small group of people who are taking a look at a very big, broad ranging problem. And they go to the group of people or the group of research or the group of solutions that they're most familiar with and they're intrigued by. And they invite that group of people to come and speak to, you know, the particular problem that they're focused on. So if you expand the group of people who are helping you to do your content programming, you're going to have a much more expanded view of not only the problem, but then also the solutions. So if we're not including social workers, we're not including dentists, we're not including school teachers or law enforcement or architects, we're missing out on a whole host of ways that we might be able to improve overall health. I mean, I use city planners as a perfect example. If we really want to address texting and while driving and making sure that we are avoiding traffic collisions, We need to be thinking about what do our city planners, you know, how are they designing our streets? What is that public health message? How do we make bike lanes safer? If we're thinking about environment, how are we capturing the information around smog levels? And how does that translate into what our recommendations would be for asthma protocols? So by thinking about these problems in a very broad way and inviting people in to help design your content, we're going to get much more robust, interesting, and sustainable solutions that really take a look at it from the infrastructure all the way through. So we're creating environments that are actually create help as opposed to solutions that are trying to combat a system that doesn't really promote help. I mentioned during the introduction that you have a podcast series out called See You Now. So how's that going and how are you enjoying being a host of your own show? (laughs) 
You know, everything I've ever done, I've never done before. And so what's fun is learning every day and developing a really deep appreciation for all of these podcasts that I've been listening to and really loving. And then when you, as you know, getting into the weeds of it, just appreciating the art form and every little detail that goes into making a wonderful listening experience. It's not just about the content. It is making sure that when you've got that voice nestled into somebody's ear, that you really are meeting that need of people wanting companionship. They want good stories. They want to be inspired. They want to understand something on a deeper level. Tell us a little bit about the scope of the podcast and sort of the organization behind it. There is an amazing team behind all the episodes that you're hearing. It's professionally produced. We've got a remarkable design team that has helped us come up with a logo for See You Now that I am just so proud of. And every time I open it up and I see it on my screen, I just have that glee of delight that uh, Bonnie Siegler created for us. So, you know, you starting with that intention of what are our goals here? And part of this is how do we illuminate health innovation through nursing expertise. So we get to share a lot of different stories. And what we're focused on is with the human-centered design, what are the unmet needs? And who are the people behind identifying them and then coming up with solutions and exhibiting an enormous amount of conviction and really good research and effort to solve them? So we've just recently released a couple of episodes that are looking at Anna Sort, who's a gamer and a nurse and an entrepreneur, thinking about gaming mechanics. How do we use those to help people manage chronic conditions? You know, nobody wanted hemophilia. Nobody wanted a sexually transmitted disease. But how do you manage it now? And so trying to find some way to at least something that you didn't want to do, at least bring some fun and some joy into it so it's not as difficult We have been exploring innovations in maternity care so that moms and babies have safer experiences in their pregnancy experience and following it in those first couple of years of life and making sure that we set moms and babies off and families and communities into really healthy settings. We've just released an episode with Sharon Van Arsdale and Colleen Kraft in what are the innovations around managing communicable disease outbreaks. And we're experiencing that right now, but we've always experienced that. We continue to with our immunization rates falling and measles outbreaks and different communicable diseases that we need to be on top of. So lots of fun with a podcast. I mean, what better job than to interview interesting people and learn their stories? Tell me about it. I know exactly. That's what I get to do almost every day is speak to people around the world who are doing interesting things to incredible to things, right? It's really, you know, I can't do a lot of the things that people do in their work to improve healthcare, but I certainly can build a platform around them and help them be successful by getting the message out to people who can hear. So before I let you go, in a few weeks' time, the South by Southwest event is coming up, and it's going to be in your hometown of Austin, Texas there. What can you tell listeners about the best way to maximize that? I'll be there this year. It's my first time attending in many, many years, and it certainly has changed a lot in the 10 years or so since I've been there. So What can you tell us about the best way to maximize it, what they should see, how they should manage their time, and the best way to get the most out of it? So take a look at the conference schedule. And there are going to be some things that you recognize, some things that are familiar and that you know a lot about. 
don't go to those things. <laughs> this is an opportunity to go explore things that are unfamiliar, that you may not have heard of. And there are so many different tracks and content. So I really recommend taking a look at things that you wouldn't have seen. And a lot of people might not think to go to the music tracks or go to the film tracks or go to retail, go to media. These are not things that show up at our traditional health tech conferences. And so this is a really good way to go and learn from folks who are driving new business models, driving new technologies, and doing so in different sectors. So you learn in these really unexpected places, and you, you know, you're you sitting next to people who are in different domains and different expertise, whether it's traffic planning, emergency control, music licensing, new ways of sharing your art, your creative work. And all of those, I look at that and I think, wow, we could do that with our diabetes population. We could do that with our heart failure patients. We could, any number of patient conditions. I have learned more going to the other disciplines, having a better understand how policymakers think about things when I want to go talk to them. How are they trying to address policy issues? And so when I started to understand that, it really shaped the way I would have a conversation with somebody who is in a regulatory environment. So I really encourage one to go look at the schedule, make some plans about it, but also stay nimble because you're going to get introduced to things that you weren't planning for. You'll meet people from different domains and they'll invite you to different events or they'll tell you about, yeah, I'm just going over to this other conference. So this is your opportunity because we bring all of these different disciplines and these different domains and these different elements of our society together. This is your opportunity to go learn from your peers. And then they come and they hear your perspective. Like, oh, I didn't know this was part of how clinics were run or how you're managing rural care access. And then they start seeing that there's a place for their skill set to come over and help us solve problems in healthcare. And they bring a new skill set that we would have never thought to include. So there's a lot of serendipity, things that you could not plan for. And that's where the magic happens. Absolutely. Well, I will be there. I'm really looking forward to it. I look forward to seeing you there and probably in very different environments that we would normally see one another. So yes. thanks for the encouragement to be there and for the advice. Yeah, wear comfortable shoes. Yes. You're going to do. do a lot of walking. Wear comfortable shoes. And I'm debating whether I should pick up some cowboy boots while I'm out there. That's a, another tradition that I, I know some people have is picking up a pair of cowboy boots. And breakfast tacos. That I'm down for. Definitely sign me up for that. So Shauna, where can people follow you and get in touch and learn more about your work? So on Twitter, I am at Shauna Butler, R-N, seeyounowpodcast.com. And if you go to jandjnursing.com or anaworld.org and on LinkedIn. So those are some really good places to find me. And of course, at different healthcare conferences. And I hope we've got a number of people who will come and join us at Exponential Medicine and DocSF. These are conferences where we work really hard to make sure that we're bringing those folks who have a commitment to improving health for everybody. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming and sharing your wisdom to our listeners and your experience and the call to action that you've issued to all of us in the industry to really embrace nurses in the development of new innovation and implementation of that innovation. And uh, look forward to your continued success and all the projects that you're working on, including your podcast and those events. And I'll see you at South by Southwest. 
Thanks, Dan. And I really appreciate all of the ways that you introduce so many people to a broad range of thinkers and doers that I don't know that I would have discovered any other way. So thanks for your role in improving health across the globe. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate you saying that. This has been another episode of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission-Based Media. Please be sure to check out the links and show notes in your favorite podcast player. You can also find all of our episodes by going to digitalhealthtoday.com slash podcasts. If you're looking for more great health podcasts, be sure to check out all the shows on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Audio engineering for this episode was by Ivan Yurich. I'm Dan Kendall, and I've been your host. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, keep on innovating.